We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonabello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. All hit radio. Welcome to the X-Zone. A place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. For the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. The Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Then the show is repeated in its entirety from 2 a.m. until 6 a.m. on the all-new Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network. If you'd like to give us a call, worldwide, toll-free, 1-800-610-7035. That's worldwide, toll-free at 1-800-610-7035. My email address, xzone at xzoneradiotv.com. You can always chat with us here at our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, by using the MSN address of Talkstar, of uh, Xzone Radio TV, at hotmail.com. That's TV at hotmail.com. And our website's www.xzoneradiotv.com and www.xzonetv.com. 
My first guest tonight is Michael Cohen, and he is one of Australia's leading paranormal media figures, as well as a writer and public speaker. He began his career as a radio psychic and paranormal presenter before taking an interest in the ET UFO question. He has worked as an advisor for a number of Australian paranormal-themed movie productions, including Greenkeeping and The Crossing. He also edits the well-known UFO news service, All News Web, and in this capacity has managed to penetrate some of the highly credible inside sources as to what the government really knows on the ET topic. Joining us all the way tonight from Australia, Exxon Nation, is Michael Cohen. Michael, welcome to the Exxon. Oh, well, yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on the show. It's great having you, Michael. Uh, tell me, uh, are, are UFO sightings very frequent in Australia? Uh, not nearly as frequent as they are in North America. Um, I mean, you'll get different opinions on mm-hmm. that, and you'll have people that claim they are quite frequent, but in my own experience, they're, they're not even near, wouldn't be a tenth less even less than that no they're pretty they're pretty uncommon actually um have you yourself ever had a ufo sighting yeah uh well i've actually seen had a sighting once in the city of sydney about uh 12 about 14 years ago mm-hmm. uh, it was a pretty good sighting actually um basically it was 1990. I mean, it was a pretty odd sighting. It was 1996, and um, I was walking home one night, and uh, and I passed a park, which uh, a small park near my house, mm-hmm. and I turned around and looked in the sky, and I saw two discs uh, madly crisscrossing each other, uh, two glowing discs at night, uh, madly crisscrossing each other. And uh, at the time, I was I was actually flying. I used to fly planes, so you know I had some idea of the sort of things you see in the sky. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching these two discs, and um, I'm sort of going through the various things they could be. Uh, bats was one of the things that's quite likely down here. Obviously, birds, uh, some sort of aircraft, and I just couldn't, for the life of me, figure out what they were, other than basically. Uh, UFOs, and um, and as I'm I'm looking at them, I hear a helicopter, and uh, and it's, <coughs> the helicopter shines a spotlight on these uh, these two UFOs, and then I notice another spotlight being shined from a nearby office building where I would have never guessed there was a spotlight. Then, as well as that, there were dogs barking. So I actually do think it was a fairly good sighting. And uh, actually, I think I reported it to MUFON. Um, but it was just when the internet was sort of coming to Australia, and you know, it was, and uh, I think it was one of the, probably the first MUFON website. I was the only ever person that ever reported that sighting. I'm sure there were other people that saw it. But at the time, you know, not many Australians would have actually known, had a clue where they could have possibly uh, reported a UFO sighting into it. And it's possible that people called the police. And, um, you know, but the police would have just said, well, you know, what do you want us to do about it? Sure. And, uh, you know, I've looked for other people that might have seen that, that those two UFOs that night, and uh, I've actually never found anyone. And it taught me a lot about the whole phenomenon. All right, Michael, let's and, talk uh, more about your sighting on the other side of this two-minute break. Michael Cohen is our very special guest all the way from Australia, and his website is www.allnewsweb.com. 
Exxon.com. Michael Cohen and I return in two minutes as we continue right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network. everyone. We're very happy to have Michael Cohn with us uh, from Australia this hour of the Exxon. His website is www.allnewsweb.com. That's www.allnewsweb.com. Michael, we were talking about your sighting uh, of two discs in Australia. And what did you learn about the UFO community sighting UFOs, reporting UFOs from your own experience? Well, basically, what it taught me is only a fraction of UFOs are ever um, are ever uh, reported, mm-hmm. and uh, most people don't really sort of you know they don't really care about what they see in the skies. So, for instance, you know, I've worked out that for every for every couple of thousand times that a UFO might be seen, it's possibly only seen once, and for every you know hundreds of hundreds of times that it's actually seen, it's probably only reported once. For every hundred hundred times that's reported, uh, you know, you might get a, you might get some footage. So, I mean, what it teaches you is that actually, uh, you know, UFOs are probably frequently uh, uh, visiting Earth, but but um, you know, every time you get a piece of footage on the on the internet, mm-hmm. that represents you know one in thousands of uh, actual UFOs that actually do come down to Earth. And uh, you know, I can just imagine, like, the, to give you an idea, the area that I um, saw the UFO in. You know, it's the sort of crowd that lives there is probably similar to the sort of people that live in Miami Beach or something like that. Right. You know, elderly retirees. And um, I can just imagine that I was the only person that, you know, took an interest in that sighting. You know, there might have been some other elderly people that sort of looked out their unit windows and saw something strange in the sky. You know, didn't realize they didn't have a clue what it was, and that was it. Certainly, I'm the only person that reported it. Spent quite a bit of time looking for people that have, you know, saw that particular um, event, but I'm pretty sure that what I saw, saw were uh, craft of an extraterrestrial origin. Um, you know, other than that, there might have been some sort of secret military project, but that's the only other possibility. Um, the whole event lasted quite some time, and I got to look at them quite carefully, and they definitely were doing stuff that no um, terrestrial-type craft could ever do. So it sort of taught me that... Um, You've got to keep your eye on the skies, keep looking for things. But, um, and it, you know, obviously the government's aware of what's going on up there because, um, you know, a helicopter. And that's one thing about Australian sightings that, um, even though, like I say, they're not nearly as common as sightings in, say, Canada, um, often um, in with Australian reports, um, you'll hear about helicopters shortly coming onto the scene. So someone even here knows, you know, something's going on in the sky. I must say that knowing a little bit about flight, I don't think that what I saw 
what was a, a government a military project. Um, I don't think any what I saw any saw any human technology is capable of doing what these two discs were doing. But it was as if they were sort of playing with each other and sort of um, you know playing a game with each other. But uh, the sort of manoeuvres they were doing were quite impossible. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was an interesting sighting. And when I said they're not common here, I should sort of qualify that. They do, much like that sighting, they do occur, but just not with the same frequency. And in the last year or so, there haven't, there's been virtually no sightings in the city of Sydney. So, so you know, I mean, obviously, like anywhere else, you get, you get times when there are more and times when there are less. Mm-hmm. T- tell me, who do you think is visiting this planet, and what is their purpose? What you've got, I mean, you've got a number of races that are visiting Earth. Um, one that I've been told about by certain government sources is a is a race. I mean, there are differences as to what their specific name is, or at least what the name that um, scientists and and the military are referring to them as. But there's a group apparently from the uh, from Andromeda that's that's coming here, and um, the the purpose is basically. Um, you know, obviously, alien um, extraterrestrials or civilizations out there taking interest in in groups that are sort of acquiring technology, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, their their purpose is purely scientific or or touristic, just uh, looking at different groups that are. I mean, it's like if it, it's exploration. That's all it is. If if we were able to sort of get out there, you know, we might take an interest. You know, one we might take an interest in other. You know, civilizations. It's it's purely scientific, uh, from what I understand. Uh, the aliens that are coming here are completely peaceful, and the governments that are aware of them coming uh, you know, have have designated their their intentions as peaceful. So you know, we have nothing really to worry about from any of the aliens that are coming. If they could, if they wanted to destroy us or harm us in any way, they would have already. Yeah, I, 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 I believe that as well, Michael. Tell me, in Australia, are there reports of alien abductions or cattle mutilation that is that is reported yeah, yeah. here in the United States? Cattle? There are no... There, as far as I know, there are no reports of cattle mutilations. But there certainly are reports of abductions. Actually, abduction reports here are actually quite common. While... While actual UFO sightings aren't as common as in other places, abduction reports are pretty um, pretty common. And I myself have done a bit of research into abductions in Australia, mm-hmm. and uh, that's. I mean, I must say that I do believe. I don't believe in everything that people put forward in relation to you know the alien ET question. Like, I'm not a massive believer, for instance, in crop circles. Right. Um, you know, there are websites on the internet that you know how to make a crop circle and people boasting about crop circles they've made and that's plenty of evidence to suggest that they might not be anything alien. But my own research has actually led me to believe that um, alien abductions are real. And uh, one of the things that sort of interested me about that is is hearing different people's accounts of, um, of being abducted by alien and listening to what they have to say and seeing how People from completely different uh, backgrounds and people that had no interest in the UFO uh, issue whatsoever uh, say almost the you know the same thing 
about uh, about their abductions. And what I've been doing with my research into abductions is I've sort of put people that get abducted or claim they get abducted into two groups. And a lot of you know there are people that might object to what I'm about to say. I've, I've had some criticism of this, but one I put them in two groups. One of the groups of people that have claimed that have been abducted many, many times and they've been abducted since they were ch- children and all that sort of thing. And I must say I'm a bit cynical about that. And the other are people that are perfectly normal people, people you never expect mm-hmm. to claim to be interfered in any way with aliens, but yet swear blind that at least once they got abducted. And for instance, here in Australia, you know someone fairly prominent. Um, obviously, he, he doesn't want you know, his identity revealed, but he's a, a politician who swears he's been abducted, and I know other people of various back people that are in every way, you know, totally normal. They're not sort of alternative type people that swear they've been abducted. Mm-hmm. And I've I've listened to their descriptions, and there there are massive similarities. Um, all of them, uh, you know, obviously recall being at some point waking up at night feeling paranoid, paralyzed, and being you know floated out a nearby window. Um, they all describe entering a craft and and either pyramidic or cylindrical furniture in a room and aliens wearing sort of what they describe as ancient Roman robes. And uh, funnily enough, you know, laugh as you may, a lot of them do describe being anally probed. Yes. Now, I don't think there's anything in the human psyche that leads people who have never heard of the whole phenomena to all imagine being anally probed by an alien unless there's actually some truth to it. So I've sort of dug a bit deeper into this topic, uh, the topic of alien abductions, and I've looked at other similarities with the people that have been abducted. And a few things that I've picked up are this. Many of the people uh, that, that are abducted, a high percentage, tended to be in the ha- a house by themselves. They were alone that night. I've noticed also abductions tend to occur in the early hours in the morning, uh, around 2, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. Mm-hmm. Many of the, the abductees are single men, so they're alone in their house. No one's going to see them go. So, you know, and that tells me that the, the aliens are actually doing the abductions, actually looking for um, for people that they can abduct, you know, without basically getting caught. Another thing that I've sort of discovered that I find quite fascinating is that a lot of the people that are abducted um, did indeed have an open window in their bedroom. So once again, the aliens were kind of making things easier for themselves. They were looking for people who did have an open window. And another thing that I also discovered was that in virtually all the cases I looked at, that open window faced a street, faced a sort of wide boulevard-type street. So again, you've got a situation, and so it tells you a lot. It tells you the aliens that are doing the abducting are, like I say, making things fairly easy for themselves, looking for people um, who, they, who won't be missed uh, looking for uh, windows that are sort of um, inconvenient positions to allow someone to be floated out a house. Now, if, I've done a lot of study in this, and I've gone through like dozens and dozens of cases, and it, you know, I don't, I, I don't believe it's a coincidence that something like 80% of the abductions that I think are genuine, uh, you know, involve an open window facing a fairly well lit street. I'm not saying that aliens don't have the technology to uh, see in the dark; they probably do. At any rate, they sort of obviously come down. They look at people to abduct for whatever the, for whatever reason. Although in this case, I'm pretty certain it is some kind of sort of genetic or medical experiments, and basically then um, abduct them through an open window. So 
So it teaches me that, you know, people say things like, uh, we, you know, that we were floated through a wall. I'm not sure that the aliens are doing the abductions, have the technology to float people through walls. I mean, the technology in floating someone through a wall is massive. Very interesting. It involves basically breaking down atomic composition and sort of rebuilding at the other end of the world. And I just don't think they've got that. Michael, you and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the the hour. Please stand by. It's great having you with us. Michael Cohen is my special guest. He is one of Australia's leading paranormal media figures, as well as a writer and public speaker. And he's also the gentleman behind www.allnewsweb.com. That's www.allnewsweb.com. Michael and I will be back on the other side of this news break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talk Star Radio Network. Don't go away. Hi, this is Ken Elliott. When I'm floating around the universe, I always try to tune in to Rob McConnell. Hey, hold there, Trinity Frog on Sesame Street. When I want to find out what's going on with UFOs or ghosts, I listen to the X-Zone with Rob McConnell. This is Les Corrigan from Target Internet Development. You're listening to Rob McConnell on the X-Zone radio show. This is John Hogue, Prophecy Scholar, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Michael Cohn is my special guest, and as I was saying before we went to the break, Exxon Nation, Michael is one of Australia's leading paranormal media figures, as well as a writer and public speaker. He began his career as a radio psychic and paranormal presenter before taking an interest in the ET UFO question. He has worked as an advisor for a number of Australian paranormal-themed movie productions, including Greenkeeping and The Crossing. He also edits the well-known UFO news service, All News Web, and in his capacity has managed to penetrate some highly credible inside sources as to what the government really knows on the ET topic. His website is www.allnewsweb.com. Michael, I have to agree with you uh, when it comes to the alien abduction uh, phenomenon that there are many questions that have yet to be answered. But I'd like to ask you a question, Michael. What is your What is your opinion of people who are brought into a regressive hypnosis situation and then asked about an alleged alien abduction? I mean, yeah, well, I'm probably, uh, I've got a pretty strong strong opinion on a firm opinion. Basically, um, it's, it, it's nonsense. Um, you either admit, what I've actually found is people that are abducted by aliens vividly remember, remember the event 
and require no hypnosis whatsoever to recall it. I mean, that's obviously just a recipe for people um, basically conjuring up things that might never have happened. I mean, it is obviously anything's possible. I'm open to uh, being proved wrong, but my experience is people actually do remember being abducted. What I've actually found in, in cases that I feel are genuine is mm-hmm. that people strongly remember the event the next morning and as sort of time goes by, months and years, it becomes, well, I suppose like anything else really, the memories start fading, but, but in the morning, I mean, the, the morning after, they, they strongly remember it. And one of the things I always hear people say, and I, I mean, the reality is, is, if you look at human beings, I mean, it's well known that while when you're dreaming something, you, you believe it's real. Mm-hmm. One of the signs of a dream is that the minute you wake up, you realize it wasn't. Now, occasionally, occasionally get the odd sort of dream where you sort of wake up, you still think it was real for a little while and occasionally get the odd dream where you sort of think it's real even the next morning but but one of the things I found with abductions is people swear this was not a dream mm-hmm. uh, I was lying in my bed and I started sort of feeling myself I started feeling unusual usually and at some point I started levitating out the window this wasn't a dream this really happened and when I found sort of physical evidence like open windows and another one is that abductions in Australia tend to take place in summer mm-hmm. right? because people do have the window open basically and uh, you know, I suppose uh, for aliens it's just like human beings putting a sedative in a lion or something like that they go out, they want to capture a lion and, so they can track it or something and they just, they just go, oh there's one there's one in a convenient position he's not near the herd, whatever right? it's probably the same thing they're just looking for you know anyone really, they don't care I don't think people that are um, abducted a special or they're, they're, you know, they're, aliens are entrusting them with any kind of mission. They just want to get samples of our, or, you know, of our DNA or whatever it is. I mean, could be for their own medicine. Right? And uh, they're going to find anyone that they can get quite easily. And uh, the other thing that I've noticed with aliens in general um, is that they, they they tend to be more com- like they tend to avoid you know highly developed western sort of areas to really sort of show themselves and sort of concentrate on areas like the, you know the back of backwaters in the Amazon where they realise that if people see them they're not as likely to sort of uh, make make anything of it they can sort of do what they like about in places like that and uh, you know it won't sort of really get out into the media so and much like abductions. And what I've also noticed is that, that aliens that do do abducting are, are fastidious about no one else in the area uh, seeing what's going on. So one can assume they do use some kind of cloaking advice mm-hmm. device, should I say, as they um, as they float an abductee out their bedroom window. So yeah. Now, now tell tell me, uh, what about the Australian Aborigines in the outback? Do they talk about? Aliens, UFOs, uh, in in their myths and their legends. Uh, they do. They uh, they both. I mean, I'm not an. I must say, I'm not an expert on that topic. Um, I've actually generally sort of centered my um, my research on mm-hmm. non-Australian events. But but yes, they they do. Aborigines do two things. They certainly talk about alien, um, and it, it's well known here. Uh, you know, they, they, they talk about events that might well be of alien origin, people coming from the sky and all mm-hmm. that sort of thing. There are obviously rock, it's well known that there are rock paintings 
of um, of beings that look like they might be space creatures. Although in saying that, some of those rock paintings might be recent and might actually be uh, pictures of astronauts. But the other thing about Aborigines is they have a much higher incidence of uh, alien encounters and UFO sightings than any other group in Australia. And the reason is quite simple. Um, they're basically in outback areas. The sky's a lot clearer. Mm-hmm. Um, by all accounts, um, UFO encounters in Australia tend to centre on the outback. Um, I live in a suburb called Coogee in Sydney, which is a sort of beach resort. It's quite nice. And uh, there aren't a lot of sightings here, but there was one recently where a gentleman swore that actually on the street I live live on, the very street I live on, and, and there's a UFO um, researcher by the name of Bill Chalker. He knows a bit more about this, but basically a, a UFO, he was walking one night drunk, which doesn't obviously give a story a great deal of credibility, <laughs> drunk from the pub, which is the bar, mm-hmm. and... Um, and he was walking along the street that I live on, and um, a UFO landed in front of him. A saucer basically descended, and then after a minute just disappeared, uh, you know, shot off into the sky. And one of the things Bill said was, even though obviously the guy was apparently completely drunk when he had the sighting, apart from swearing that it happened, uh, Bill did say it had it had the uh, typical sort of signs of, of, a, of a sort of good UFO sighting. And... Uh, not well known, much like Canada, where they, well, obviously the government released their files, not with much fanfare, did it sort of quietly, but they're there. Much the same happened here. Australia, years back, um, basically declassified its UFO um, files, and there was, in fact, I was reading through those files, and there was a similar sighting that was seriously investigated by the government. It was on a beach not far from here, a harbour beach, well, also, a man was just sort of sitting there, and a saucer um, basically descended to earth and and then shot off. But yeah, I mean, the thing about UFOs, that, uh, I think I want, the point I want to make is the one thing that's seriously lacking uh, with UFOs is any publicly re- released, really convincing footage, and that's, that's obviously right. a um, something that concerns anyone that's into this topic why is there no at least publicly really i mean there's all these stories mm-hmm. there's thousands and thousands of people that swear they you know saw something that couldn't be an earthly craft and yet there really isn't like i've spent the amount of time i've spent looking for good for good footage is incredible and i mean obviously on my the website all news web i often get you know i put something up and it gets criticized by people and often they make the point oh there's plenty of good footage around but this isn't an example of it. And I'm thinking to myself, and I always say, it, please show me your good footage. Where is this plenty? Because there actually isn't plenty of good footage. I think I've been, I think I'm familiar with every well-known piece of footage that's out there, mm-hmm. right? And then I'm obviously familiar with stuff that's not well-known. But um, and there actually isn't a lot of good UFO footage. And the question needs to be asked: Why is that the case? And I'm I'm, I'm certain that I mean. I'm pretty certain we are being visited by aliens, but I don't think they want good footage. I think that the whole thing is done in a way that they they themselves control. The aliens that are coming here, they control their interaction with us. And, uh, you know, they're not prepared at this point for us to get really good footage of them coming here. It's that simple, and they, they have the technology and the ability to make sure that they that when they want to see someone... 
they do so, you know, at night when the person probably doesn't have anything. And even if the truth is, people go, well, did you have a mobile, you know, did you have your camera on your mobile exactly. phone when you saw your UFO? But if something happens in seconds, realistically, scrambling for a mobile phone late at night to take a picture, I mean, any alien worth, any, any UFO worth its salt can sort of get out of the way before that happens. I mean, that's so, and I think that is what's happening. I mean, I mean, from what I understand, there's you know definite definite idea out there in the universe that I mean you don't interfere with with, with civilizations that are sort of um, going from non-technological to technological. You allow them to sort of develop at their own pace. Tell and, me, tell uh, me, do you, you think to, do you do you think that the that the aliens actually have a message for humanity? And, and if so, uh, Michael, what do you believe that message to be? Um, I think they have a specific message per se for humanity, although they are, they are concerned with the... I've no doubt that they look at us as a fairly barbaric um, group of people. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, a barbaric civilization or race. But... What I'll say is this, I think one of the things about uh, UFOs that I want to sort of make clear is um, people squabble over the details, uh, you know, and as you know, did this event happen, is, did Roswell really occur? But I think it needs to be said to people that obviously listen to the show that one, one thing that is certain is we, we are being visited by aliens, and at the very least, the major governments of the world are aware of this. How, to what extent they're actually interacting with the aliens is up, up to debate. And to what, to how much they know about the aliens, how much they actually know, that's a matter of debate. But it's, I have no doubt, I've personally, I mean, obviously with, with the website and that, I get, it gets a lot of readers. It gets on like, you know, some months you get half a million readers. So obviously I'm putting sort of the, I'm putting the feelers out there. And if there mm -hmm. are people that want to sort of send me stuff, people that work within government departments, I'm going to get a little bit of that. Uh, from time to time, and I do get a bit of that, and I have some really, really good sources. And uh, obviously, I mean, you know, the good sources want to be confidential, but there's no doubt about the fact that that the major governments are aware of aliens visiting Earth. Now, in terms of a message, um, there's no real message per se, but but there does. But one thing the governments various governments are studying this this phenomenon have realized is there are certain ethics that that it seems that alien civilizations that are visiting us have and one of the things that I, I talk about is is this idea of the biocosmic equation and what is and what that, that basically basically that what that what, what that's all about is that for every um, you know it's an equation that says for every um, planet for ex for every X number of planets, there's one, you know, bears some form of biological life. For every planet that bears some form of biological life, you know, one brings forth animals and so forth. For every X number of planets that bring forth animals, one yields a, a, a civilization. And for every X that yields a civilization, say for every three or four hundred, one of those civilization, one of those civilizations makes it. Uh, on to the next level with actually, you know, part of a galactic group of civilizations. And the idea is that you're not allowed to actually interfere with with civilizations' development in in reaching that um, reaching those reaching that stage. 
and for every one civilization that actually makes it to a to to a sort of galactic existence, you know, hundreds just disappear, and they disappear because the actual group, the breeding or the the evolution of the group is actually flawed, and in the end, um, basically the group destroys themselves. And you know, I'm, I don't know this. This is now my own sort of theory, my own ideas. But basically, um, from what I understand, uh, you know, human beings would be seen as as, as pretty flawed, and uh, you know, not candidates for a galactic existence, but rather candidates for for self destruction. So obviously, the message is that um, evolution from what, from what, this is something that's coming from NASA and, and their studies on extraterrestrial issues evolution is something that occurs throughout the universe it's basically the name of the game everywhere and, and when you think because the universe I mean is, is a set paradigm with certain principles in play and evolution is one of them and mm-hmm. and sort of hardwired into the idea of evolution is the idea of self-interest Obviously, as things evolve, I mean, in order to evolve, you need to sort of be concerned with your own survival, and that that brings in the you know in in the idea of self-interest and selfishness, and uh, materialism and things like that. And um, at a certain point, for for a species to to sort of move on to the next level, they've got to move from self-interest to, at the very least, what I would refer to as enlightened self-interest, where they can actually exist without you know exploiting and destroying things around them. Michael, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. What an interesting uh, gentleman. We'll have to have Michael back on in the future. Uh, He is one of Australia's leading paranormal media figures, as well as a writer and public speaker. His website is www.allnewsweb.com, www.allnewsweb.com. Michael Cohen and I return on the other side of this break as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada where it's minus 9 degrees and snowing, and Michael's on the beach where it's 40 above, which is about 86 degrees in U.S. terms. I'm going to get a warm coffee. I'll be back on the other side. Don't go away. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road Time grabs you by the rest, directs you where to go So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life and welcome back, everyone. Michael Cohen is our very special guest this hour. His website is www.allnewsweb.com. That's www.allnewsweb.com. Michael, what is the official position of the Australian government when it comes to UFOs and ETs visiting Australia? Well, I mean, obviously, as I mentioned earlier, there were files that were kept mm-hmm. uh, by the Defence Department, and they were declassified. But the official uh, opinion here is complete denial. And I've, I've actually myself approached a couple of politicians on the matter here. And, uh, yeah, Australia makes no concession. Mm-hmm. But what, what I have actually noticed is a lot of people, I, obviously with the news website, I have a lot of people um, 
that I, I'm in email contact with that work for various sort of aviation, government aviation departments and and uh, and science departments. And there's a lot of belief amongst those people in UFOs, sort of people that work for those departments, but the government itself, it's actually the last government on the planet. Uh, to it's a, Australia's a very conservative country. Actually, it's a very, very. It's not the sort of country that does thing, goes out on a limb and does something radical. Um, and it's it's um, no, complete denial uh, on the issue. You won't hear anything about it, and and possibly even not a great deal of interaction with the with the issue. They would just defer that sort of thing. The United States they would have realised a while back that the, if there are aliens visiting. Uh, Australian airspace, they're not really doing any harm anyway, and That's right. I don't think they'd really even bother with any resources. I'm not sure there's all that much UFO-wise happening in Australia. Michael, uh, as I said uh, to you on the break, it was, it's been great having you with us uh, for this past hour, and we're going to be making arrangements to have you on and, uh, in the near future, and maybe we can do a regular UFO feature because you are a source of international reports, and... Uh, you know, we are a source of getting the international media out there and talking about this every night here on the X-Zone. Let our listeners know more about you and where they can find out uh, where they can reach you on the web and what other kind of stories you carry at All News Web. Yeah, um, well, the, the place that I sort of do most of my reporting is allnewsweb.com. And, uh, yeah, what we do is um, we look for uh, credible sightings around the world and we them up mm-hmm. uh, and I mean that's part of the proof of you know the fact that there is something of a cover-up on this issue is that uh, prior to um, all news web sort of opening its doors so to speak um, you know you used to have this comment comment commonly made and I sort of laugh at it you know comedians and people comedians would say it, and people that want to sort of have a have a laugh at the whole UFO issue would always say what is it about you know UFOs that the only people that see them are kind of uh, rural folk in Kentucky or wherever. Well, that's just plain not true. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, in the past, without the internet and things like that, you know, you could have sightings, 50 sightings a day in, say, China. China's got an incredible number of sightings on a daily basis, right? And no one in America would know it. And in fact, until all news were opened its doors, the vast majority, if not pretty much all the sightings that occurred in places like China, just went unnoticed to English speakers. And we try to sort of Get, up, get sightings up there and uh, and, uh, and and make people aware of them. And actually, interestingly enough, one of the things I found funny today is there's a sighting that's made, getting a bit of publicity in Canada. It's the one, you know, that sort of streaked through the sky. Now, I don't think that's an alien craft. I mean, Michael, we have, to, we have to say so long for tonight, but we will have you back on in the very near future because I'd like to talk to you more about UFOs in China as well as the other stories that you cover in allnewsweb.com. Michael Cohn has been my special guest this hour. I'll be back on the other side of this break talking about the Bermuda Triangle. Don't go away. Mm-hmm. 